I didn't see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot, paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. Beginning of a new world. <laughs> the best guac you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is, is the Black Cat Report. See you on the other side. Arr, matey, it's time to hit the high seas and get some grog in our bellies as we roll, rollick, and tumble around the deck. We'll raise the jack and unfurl the sails to get going on our pirate adventure, because this week we'll be covering Steed Bonnet, the Gentleman Pirate. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> this week we are all in the studio for episode 47, mm-hmm. and joining me back from her international foray is Betsabe. Hello! Comfy as all get out is Selena. Hi. And peering out creepily from behind his desk is Gil. Hello. <laughs> Alrighty, now let's get sailing. Who are you? I am Joey. <laughs> <laughs> or, as they call him, Major Steed Bonnet. Oh, shit. Oh. Major Steve Joey. On Turned the scene. into a new character. Steed Bonnet was born on July 29, 1688 in Barbados, a Caribbean hub first settled by South American tribes more than 600 years before Spanish settlers came to the island. The islands had the right climate for growing sugar, which led to the island thriving as well as becoming a major trade hub for all ships heading to the other islands as well as into the new colonies. Steed was born to his parents Edward and Sarah Bonnet and christened at Christ Church Parish. The Bonnets were rich plantation owners and part of the original aristocracy of Barbados. Thomas Bonnet, Steed's great-grandfather, was among the first settlers of Barbados that were not from South American tribes. Steed's great-grandfather prospered during the Sugar Revolution, clearing large portions of the Barbadian jungle to establish a 400-acre plantation. Edward Bonnet, who was Steed's father, was passed down the sugar plantation upon his father's death and managed the estate until he passed away in 1694. Steed Bonnet was only six years old at that time. And right after that, his mother Sarah died, leaving Steed as a young orphan with a huge plantation to manage. While he was maturing, he was raised by Janet Whetstone, who was a widow of former Deputy Secretary of Barbados, John Whetstone. Once he reached adulthood, which was 18 at this time, he took over full responsibility for the plantation, which 18 is normal for this time, too. Mm-hmm. So just no difference. He was basically 30. He was basically 30, yeah, yeah. <laughs> During this time, slaves were a huge import and export of Barbados. Also, cultivating sugar was hard work, and the landers of the time were freaking lazy and didn't know the value of hard day's work, so they used slaves to do the work for them. Also so that, racist. And racist as well. So a lot of these slaves... all. Honestly, came mostly from Africa, but um, English people and Spanish people were into huge transportation of slaves across there. So they were like basically one of the first stops to getting into the new colonies for slavery. So they kind of prospered through that time, which is shitty. Very shitty. So uh, what I've learned so far is his childhood is almost identical to Elon Musk's childhood. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, like he's the, pretty he, much born into money. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's born into money, and he's just like, "Oh no, I'm so young, and I have all my father's wealth, which was born on the back of slavery and racism." Oh no. Oh darn it! Yes. So I'm gonna make a fancy car. Yeah, he pretty much made a fancy car. Oh well, I mean, we'll see later. He might have his fancy car. In I quotations. took William Shatner to space. <laughs> <laughs> well, due to being outnumbered by slaves. The white landowners formed a militia to be able to respond to any rebellions they would have. So Steed was in that militia because he was one of the huge landowners, and he was given the title of Major. As we'll see later on, he loved that title, so Mm. he just continued with it. Okay. So at 21 years old, Bonnet married Mary Allenby, who was the 16-year-old daughter of William Allenby, 16 years old. For women at that time was kind of like adulthood mm-hmm. so they were basically 16 good normal. luck yeah it was normal at that time she was basically a spinster at that she point. was basically mm-hmm. a spinster yeah i would yeah. say she was like either getting married or gone yeah yeah most so, girls were married by the age of 12 <laughs> that's true yeah in the yep. colonies especially that was huge mm-hmm. um 
But I think in England they kind of tried to keep it a little later because they were more elite. Yeah, 14. 14 was a yeah. little later. Yeah, I'd say it was about right. Um, William Allenby, who uh, was the father of Mary Allenby, who he married, was another wealthy plantation owner and member of the Barbadian aristocracy, which Barbadian is a really hard word to say, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to be saying it a lot. Uh, with wife in tow, Bonnet moved to Bridgetown, which was also in Barbados, one of the uh, bigger cities in Barbados, which became the seat of assembly for a few years. Steed and Mary had four children over the span of 1712 to 1717. So, four children. Uh, during this time, Steed was appointed and sworn in as the Justice of the Peace. So, he was getting pretty recognized, you know, as like uh-huh. a, a decent-sized landowner. So, he was getting um, getting recognized for things that he's, in quotations, doing. She's not really doing much. Uh, mm-hmm. That was in 1716. Um, even though Steed was being appointed with accolades and high positions in Barbados, Steed and Mary were not looked on as high elite. The reason they weren't is because they were from Barbados and they weren't from England, mm-hmm. so they couldn't get the they couldn't get into it. They couldn't get into the elite. I don't know if that reminds you of another story that we talked about before, maybe like seven weeks ago, with that one guy who could never who could never get into the elite and he uh, uh, faked his own death. Oh yeah. Yes. That old yes. guy. Yeah. I can't actually remember his name, but, um, yeah, the guy yeah. was incredible. That's he what was, he wanted though. He did. He did. Yeah. Do he didn't this, want us to you know, remember his name. He didn't want to remember his name. Yeah. And then he faked his own death. Found was found beating his wife. And then they all kind of laughed at him. Then he wrote a book and you know, everything turned out horrible. Yeah. Cause he died right after that. Guy who just kept failing upwards. He failed <laughs> upwards and that kind of worked out for him. Kind of. <laughs> well, they lived and dined like the English fleet, but could not break into that society. So they were too tan. They were, yeah, probably. <laughs> so at this time, Steed and Mary's relationship was straining. So they couldn't get there. They both wanted to be there. Um, from the pressures at, at his work, in quotations, to their status, and also the loss, they just lost a child, uh, Allenby, who was Where'd their they fourth go? child. <laughs> Allenby died. <laughs> Uh, at an early age, and they were not able to keep the strain from affecting their marriage. Um, we also I checked the closet already. God damn it, Mary! <laughs> <laughs> so we couldn't. You also can't say that he didn't have emotional baggage from both his parents dying when he was young mm-hmm. and becoming an orphan, basically. So now that was I have to do things. Yeah, I have to do things. Oh my at six god, years that old. was like eighty percent of kids back in the day. Yeah. No. Well, this is just one of the things they think kind of led to what he's about to do. It's no, it's, it's kind of they're dumb. talking about everything that's going on with him. I think it's most, true. I think the most amazing thing about that time period was like you might die at an older age than your parents. Mm-hmm. Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you died at 20. Your parents died at 12. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Just something random would happen and maybe just hit hit the town or like a hurricane could hit because it's I mean, obviously, they're going to get hit by hurricanes all the time in that area. So after seven years of marriage, Steed's 28, but. Uh, Bonnet started having a hankering for the seas. But again, like we were just talking about, it's not actually clear what led him to do this. You know, what led him to go on this path. But he was an avid reader and he loved books about the seas. So he read narratives like A Voyage to the South Sea, which were popular at the time, and The Round the World. Um, so it may have gotten him kind of in that mood to like, ah, I, I got that sea calling. I need to go. I need to live. He ran into some young and up-and-coming captain named Captain Butler who told him of what was beyond the ice wall. Yeah, he saw that. Yeah, he read that at that time. I believe that was the same time period because time doesn't matter. It's true. Mm. A flat earth, time isn't real. That's true, especially since they proved it was not correct. But but anyways, um, also do want to remind people listening that I don't believe in a flat earth. Um, I don't know if you're confused from that episode, but I did not agree with it i was just being very sarcastic and dry sure <laughs> uncocks gun in the background you did yeah. your part joey somebody if i was a, if i jump in a swimming pool i'm gonna stay bone dry because that's my humor um <laughs> but no one's been outside earth so we don't know exactly if it's flat or round or triangle many people yeah, have been outside of, of earth and satellites too but us personally Continuing Out of the on. four of us, we have never been to space. Con- continuing on to the people that sailed around the Earth. Uh, around. Also during this time, pirate tales were in the newspapers, and people would share drunken tales of the sea and wanderlust. 
pirating would quench. Oh my god. Hold on. So sorry to stop you. Betsa Bay might be on to something. We all know sailors are drunk. When you get wobbly, when you get drunk, the earth might be flat, but everybody sailing it might be too drunk to see it. I mean, seriously, yes. Oh my, and we all know pilots are drunk. Uh, yes. Have you seen a flight map? Hell no. But I'm just saying, if you personally haven't been out there and seen it for yourself, then you don't know. It's also why I don't believe in giraffe. Never fucking seen one. They're really? not real. I've seen or one. sharks. I've seen sharks, giraffes, no, I've never but seen then one, I think they're like broccoli. Like they what? are human <laughs> modified. They're, so giraffes are GMOs. Hold on. Genetically <laughs> modified organisms. That one more time. You believe in giraffes, but you. No, but she you... believes in broccoli and giraffes, but she thinks that giraffes were also modified and created like broccoli was, because broccoli is not originally created broccoli. And this is why we need to fund PBS, okay? <laughs> because I mean, have you ever called into one of those lines? We it, it is funding PBS. Getting back to the seaworthy tales. I'm just saying. <laughs> on December 1716, Steed bought his first sloop. What's a sloop? A sloop is a small warship with two to three sail masts that can hold about 20-ish guns. Also hold about 100 men as well as give them all the comforts they would need. A captain's quarters. Uh, Steed would love a full library, which he loved. I just need to loved. be held. Yeah. Well, you can be definitely held on these boats by other pirates because uh, they all lived right next to each other. Uh, a lot of them actually slept on the ship. They slept on the top of the ship. Oh, so, <laughs> I was like, I, I, mean, I hope they slept on the ship. No, they slept on the top of the ship. So funny enough, uh, it was called caulking, I think, um, where basically they would lay on the top of the ship, but because the caulking in the middle of like the um, the boards, the beams, yeah. the, the beams, they would look like they would have marks from the caulking because they slept like that down their back which is kind of funny thing if they fell asleep on the on the top of the ship yeah it was really tells weird me that sleeping like you know below deck would fucking suck oh yeah you <laughs> probably get sick so bad yeah so i couldn't do it fuck. yeah <laughs> like, i mean a lot of them like got drunk well, and yeah. would just be drunk wouldn't the whole time that make of... it worse well, like no, getting you get... drunk and then seasick i feel like you get, you get leveled because you're like you're being drunk they're just like already falling falling over and they kind of get that's called getting your sea legs and then they just start like they're able to move because it's already moving so they're fine yeah it's like the it's like what the opposite you yes. know yeah mm. gotta catch the right pitch yeah mm. treat your body like a metronome yeah i guess that's why they were always drunk that's true. Yeah. The ship that he bought was actually before he even named it, it was already called the Revenge. So Oh my god, this guy's so dumb. Yeah, and this is what he why really he wanted it because he loved the name. So I just want to make a point. Like he has no reason to get revenge right now. Like, there's no whole thing about revenge. So he he did make a point in saying the author made a point in the book saying like he really wanted it because he loved the name. So I don't know if he wanted revenge against the loss of his parents so early or against the high English society, which makes more sense against the elite. Um, God damn you, natural death. I'll get you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How dare you take my family at a reasonable age after they've had a successful life enslaving people. Yeah, it was so weird. Uh, so he bought it for about 1500 at the time, which right, wow, right yeah. now it's about 400 K. Okay. So it's, okay. I would say it's like a okay. good deal. Like he yeah. got a good deal. Um. So he also didn't tell Mary, his wife, about any of this. Of course. So he Why just, would he? He just went up and bought this A tradition boat. continued to this day when husbands buy boats without mm -hmm. telling their wives. So after he bought this boat, not telling his wife, he it was time to collect the crew. So Steed in his gold-trimmed hat, fitted woolen overcoat, completely and utterly fashionable wig, <laughs> Was and he wearing a wool coat and Barbados. Leather-pointed <laughs> toe shoes with gold buckles pranced down to the docks and into the taverns looking for well-worn men to serve him this on guy's his so revenge extra. tour. You seem to have big muscles. <laughs> he looked Join at me. every... People looked at him like, who are you? <laughs> like, why are you coming down here? So if you think about other pirates, none of them dress like this. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they dress because they knew they are going to get wet, so none of them are wearing a fitted overcoat. Wearing none of them are wearing gold-trimmed stuff. <laughs> 
Yeah, like he just he made no sense. You could tell he had nothing. He'd never been around pirates. He just oh heard. Oh my tales. god, it's like so embarrassing now. Like, yeah. like okay, it's like when rich kids go to like buy drugs from like poor yeah, yeah, schools yeah. and they just get yeah. totally fucking duped. I hope that's what happens yeah. to him. Well, he didn't, Damn but it. he ended up hiring 126 men. It's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, for the boat, and which was only supposed to hi- hold about a hundred. So Someone needs gonna... to polish my shoes. Another yeah. person needs to polish the buckles on the shoes. Well, Another was... person needs to attach one shoe to my right foot and one to my left foot. Another person helps sew my socks. I seem to be getting holes. Another person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he needed everything done for him. So he bought six cannons too, as well, to fit onto the boat, which is about okay. twelve to twenty cannons. So he. He purchased a good bit for the amount of crew that he was kind of holding. Could you just, sorry, but like, could you just, like, what did you just do? Like, go down, you're like, I'm just going to buy some tamales, a few tortillas, uh, guavas on sale, and uh, about a half a dozen cannons. Like, what do you do? Like, what, could you just go buy cannons? Yeah. Can, well, you, you fit yeah, your boats. Back in the day, well, think yeah. about this, can though. You like, at the, you can, yeah. You, you might be able to, but you can just think go on about Amazon. this, though. Like, cannons are. Are like candy. So um, <laughs> at this point, so cannons were people were privateers could just go buy a boat. Like yeah. you can just go buy a boat. And during these times, you had the English, the Spanish, the French, all in wars. Mm-hmm. So governments were hiring people that are rich that could buy a boat mm-hmm. that could go fight one of the other and just be like, hey, that wasn't us. That was a, a private boat that that hit you. Mm-hmm. But really, they hired the boat to do it. Yeah. So it's kind of like we do now with. Uh, same thing. Yep. With we're hiring Northrop Grumman. Yeah, we're hiring private contractors. Yeah, or Z, formerly known as uh, fuck. What was it? Uh, Blackwater. Yeah, the, the same. Eric Prince's dumbass. Yeah. yeah. Said it, Eric. It, it's the same style of warfare they're trying to do, and it makes it easier because they don't have to pay people continuously either. They just mm-hmm. go, "Here's your commission. Good luck." They were basically you know? like the Uber of war. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's um. Fair. So most of the crew people were already holdovers from the original owner of the ship. So he, it was a little easier to get them because they are like, oh, we already know this ship. We were on it before. Um, and instead of working jobs that held them in a single place, they were like, sweet, we get to go back on the ship, go back on the ship and go back to the sea. Mm-hmm. So at the time, the War of the Spanish Succession had ended, which left a lot of trained soldiers and sailors unemployed as well. So again, much easier. So he had his pick of the litter. Uh, Steed spent most of the year of 1717 getting his affairs in order. He drew up a power of attorney, appointing his wife, Mary, and two of his closest friends to handle his business affairs. So she's like, oh, I guess this is okay, but he's more like, uh, I'm about to leave. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, she's fine with it because she thinks, like, maybe this is kind of a will. If you die, you know, he kind of, like, <laughs> weirded it, needled it in there that, like, he's, like, basically about to leave. So now it's time for Steed on it hit the open water hell yeah oh my god okay so this is starting to really fit into the character from outlander steve like it sounds just like him because his name is steven bonnet and it's based off of that character steve s-e-s-t-e-d-e oh this is steed steed s e yeah but it's a but it's a stupid name yeah it's a it's a name that it's probably i think it's like a uh earlier than his great-grandfather was one of their families i've names. never heard that name before name. in my life it, and you never hear it now um, yeah but it's that stupid, character just like that guy that character is based off of steed bonnet okay um yeah because like you're talking about this dude and it just like it, i keep picturing that guy from outlander yeah but and i do too when i was actually reading it i, I pictured that guy he's not as ruthless he's not that kind of bad character he but his personality, <laughs> like he's so dumb. Yeah, he's he's. We'll see later. He he's he's kind of, kind of dumb in some spots. Which, by the way, I highly recommend everyone watches Outlander. It's really good. Great show. This episode is brought to you by Outlander. Wet wipes. You know when you need them. <laughs> <laughs> so Steed left the island of Bar- Barbados in the dead of the night. 7 p.m. No. <laughs> like 2, 2 a.m. nap time. 1 or 2 a.m. because he was just leaving. So he didn't tell anybody. So Not even his crew. <laughs> Not even his crew. <laughs> so at this time, his uh, the, so every ship, just like airplanes nowadays, every ship had to have a, uh, basically be cleared to leave the dock, right? You're basically saying, hey, I'm leaving the dock. I'm headed to St. Thomas. I'm headed yeah, to the like new colonies. Yeah. Basically, you, you charter yourself going yeah. that. So everyone knows where everyone's going. If you get if like you don't make it there, they can kind of figure out. Oh, this person was 
got died. robbed, robbed or died or something like yeah. that. It's kind of like the little checks and balances they had, especially the British because they literally owned the seas almost yeah. at this time. Bobby. Yep. Uh, so he basically just left. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't clear it with anybody. He didn't get any commission. Yeah, he didn't get any commission to leave. Like, because he didn't know or he just didn't? No, he didn't want to because he wanted to be a lawbreaker and literally broke the law the first second he could. He broke the law as he was leaving because it's you go you have to pay uh, fines if you do that or you have to get you get oh arrested. So as soon as he went out, he was a pirate. I feel like he would get a boner jaywalking though. Yeah. Like honestly, it's something about things. this guy's yeah. character. He's like, <laughs> 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 I'm not gonna sign out, and he just like <laughs> slowly drifts away. He's like, but well, that was quite rude. He's just leaving. Mm-hmm. I picked him this bread, and he's just. He's just leaving. It's okay, yep. Samuel. He'll be back. But what if he doesn't? What if he gets lost? We don't even have it in the log. We don't know. It'll be fine, Samuel. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pretty it's much. Just Steve Bonnet's just in the background, just flicking him off. Like, <laughs> he's like, Captain, they can't see you. It is pitch black outside. <laughs> they know. <laughs> they know. Yeah, and his crew is just fine with it. You know, they're already, most of them are already, oh like, God. seamen and, and, <laughs> and sailors. So they're ready to go. Um, so as he's leaving, he left his wife and children, never telling them, and what he would dick. never see them again, nor so write he, to them. He this just is was a gone. Book about him going through a midlife crisis. Yeah, he had him. He he's this is his Corvette, and there's ships called Corvettes too. But this is his Corvette, and he's gone. Can but he just milk? never comes back. Can um, we get milk and cigarettes, Bob? Yeah, he went out. He he was like a deadbeat dad, and went out and got milk and cigarettes. Wow. Um, or a ship. He's only 28. He's 28 at this point. So he's like not even, well, I guess that might be midlife. Yeah, I guess that's probably midlife for them. Um, So going into kind of like inner ship politics and pirate politics, right? I know about him. So unlike many other ships in which sailors, sailors took a share of the bounty they received. So basically they get hired. The captain says, you get to take 2% of the bounty that we receive, right? So Steed, because he was rare, he actually owned the ship. He uh, was rich, like unlike most other people that went to the seas. They didn't have that. They had people who owned the had shares in the boat already that took shares out. He owned the ship full out. He made the deal with the sailors that he was going to pay them a living wage. Oh, that's nice. So before, so he just gave them money at the beginning of it, which never happens on sail on on pirate ships or or most ships. No, because that's dumb. Because they can just leave. They can just leave. Um, he didn't again showing his like naivety, naivety and people because people wouldn't sail with him otherwise because he had no knowledge of the sea. He had never been there before, clout. and no clout and no captain who was who could sail. You know, so. As soon, uh, well, he—I don't know if you're offered healthcare though. That's kind of one thing that we <laughs> we never know. Um, I mean, there's a guy with a knife. Yeah, I mean, I think he hired <laughs> some. Doc- I think he hired a doctor too to keep on the ship. Um, so Steed, who had never sailed before, no, had any knowledge of sailing <laughs> outside for five hours <laughs> <laughs> outside of what he read, sailed the revenge to the shores of Virginia. So a lot of this is going to take place on the shores of Virginia, shores of North Carolina, South Carolina, which at the time was called. New Carolina or the Carolinas, because um, the colon. This is before the Revolutionary War, so the British still owned all the colonies. Um, yeah, so that's the time mm-hmm. period we're looking at. Ew, seven, she early went 1700s. to Virginia Beach. Part of it, he was in Virginia Beach. Um, he was in the little shoals off the Chesapeake Bay, which piracy was huge in those times in that area. Um, which is funny because that was just the next part of it. He just went around <laughs> Virginia Beach. Um, Steed was Spring very had, he had a very successful first cruise. Re- weirdly enough, he took uh, his first ship. But basically, taking what I'm talking about that is he went on board. They stopped him. They rarely fired a shot. They went on board, took all their goods, and just left. Yeah, because he did, was he was raiding a nun ship. Yeah, well, no, he they, they took the they took the ships and would just take them on board and leave the people there. Most of the time, they'd leave the people there because they didn't have a crew enough to take the ship mm-hmm. for the most part until later on once they get more. Uh, so he, his first ship was called the Anne, um, commanded by Captain Montgomery. Um, the Turbot from Bridgetown was his second ship. But it was also from Barbados, so the guy knew who this guy was <laughs> taking the ship. He was <laughs> like, what are you doing? 
He's like, ooh, this is some rich dude from Barbados, and he stabs you with his sword, you know, as he's walking away. Um, he also took the... Yeah, right? He also took the Endeavor, which was the third ship, uh, commanded by Captain S- Scott, and the last ship that they took on this little quick voyage was, uh, was, was the Young. I mean, the ship's names are just... Mm-hmm. People name them randomly, I guess. Mm. Um, he left most of the, most of the boats where they were, you know, where they were plundering, and then he took the ship from his hometown, the Turbot, to North Carolina and set it on fire because uh, he 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 basically didn't want anybody to know from Bridgeport that he was pirating because he literally left, and so he didn't want news like that captain to f- come back and say, hey, like this is, uh, I saw Steed. He's freaking out there. He's he's like pirating and taking all these ships. And then he would also get chased by a Navy. Um, gotcha, gotcha. So he's trying to cover his tracks. He's covering his tracks. Gotcha. So Steed, he car- created an alias for himself because, again, he's trying to cover his tracks. <laughs> Tell me it was Steve. Uh, no. <laughs> he just called himself Captain Edwards, which is just a basic name for most people. That he is didn't, so basic. I will be yeah. thinking of Twilight from now on. I know. Yeah. That, that was, like, the first thing that came to my head. Well, you might get on uh, the side of Captain Edwards or the other pirate that's going to come into this, so we'll separate some Captain people in this. <laughs> yeah. During his capture of the ships, Steed would take prisoners. He, he kind of did it in a smart way, which is, is, is good, I guess. Um, so he would interrogate the prisoners, like, ask questions like, is the town rich? Yeah, yeah. He'd ask, is the town rich that you came from? How many guns do they have? Is it fortified? How many lookouts? Are there rivers or creeks that come near it? Do you have so, a 401k? Yeah, yeah. Have you invested in an IBM? Well, pretty much. Like he's finding out all the details behind these places so that once he gets the, you know, gets his uh uh he gets his crew gets up together. and gets a plan together, he can go in and start taking these places bar- or barricading them. So he's actually in that way he played it really smart. Okay. And a lot of pirates at this time were kind of just taking ships and weren't as much going into blockading. Like, he's doing his research. He's doing his research. And okay. that's not exactly seaworthy, but that's military. And you yeah. can see that when he was doing his uh, his militia that they probably he probably learned from there. Probably reading books, too. That kind of helped. Um, so after his first successful set of boat-taking, which I call it, but plundering and pillaging is really what they're doing, he decided to sail up the coast to New York. So he captured a few small ships around the West Indies, or bound for the West Indies, and after reprovisioning at Gardner's Island, which was a famous pirate town. All we got was tiny trolls, yeah. and we got these hoes and some bag of miracle Grow. God damn it, why did we stop at Gardner's Island? Right, yeah. And so he decided it was time for bigger ports. Steed decided it's time to go to Charlestown, which is Charleston, <gasps> after it was renamed after the Revolutionary War, oh, or during the Revolutionary War. I was going to say if he went to Oakley He will get there, because one of the, uh, spoiler alert, one of our uh, friends that's coming along was uh, a big partner in Ocracoke. Ocracoker. He's, He's an Ocracoker. Yeah, that's we call true. Cokers. Ocracokens. So he, even though Steed had not been at sea for more than a year, he was already wanted by the British naval authorities. So mm. within four to five months, they were already looking for him. In a letter penned by Captain Bartholomew, who was British Admiralty, mm. he said, Is also, or has been lately, over on the coast a pirate sloop from Barbados, commanded by one Major Bonnet, again, they knew his name, even though he was using (laughs) Captain Edwards, who has an estate in that island and a sloop in his own. This advice I had by letter from thence, that in April last, 1717, he ran away out of the Carlisle Bay, which he's a great rhymer, in the night had had aboard 126 men, six guns and arms and ammunition enough. So, yeah, they literally knew who it was. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They knew his ship. They knew how many people he had on board. Even though he didn't, like, say, I'm leaving. They, yeah. they figured it out super quick. Yeah. Bro, he, you literally bought this from us. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the guy who, who had the ship was just, like, obviously was like, this is easy to tell who this guy yeah. is. Um, so. Why do they care, though? Like, well, so because dumb. he's taking ships that were bound from, um, he was basically doing illegal pirating. How, like, but every, I feel like everyone was doing it back then, and how can they keep track of it? It's not like they have any computer or drones or anything. Well, that's the reason they had the logs. They had the logs of you leaving and clearances. So that's why how they knew. If a ship reached here but didn't reach there, they would find out and know, okay, 
this guy got pirated, they stole his stuff, or he'd be marooned on an island, rescued, and he'd say, hey, this guy pirated all of our stuff, pillaged all of our stuff, and left me on this island. This is who it is. I met him. Because you meet the captain when you get on the ship. Captains meet. They talk. He's like, hey, you could either leave alive. You could come join us. And sometimes they would recruit sailors on those ships that they're pirating and pillaging onto their ship. So then they'd know. They'd start telling tales about it when they go to towns. And it would show them, hey, these people are here. So And so you'd have just people telling tales about all these people taking ships, all these people going there. And so it's very easy to, for word to spread at this time. Especially, like, yeah, they didn't have telephones, but people were moving constantly in between colonies, in between parts of the world. So pretty much within, like, three or four months of traveling, you could find out so much that's going on. Because, mm -hmm. you know, go to the bars, taverns, that's where rumors spread. So they had every bit of information. But the only thing they didn't have was the ship's name so they didn't and they also didn't know how to spell bonnet's name they put two t's <laughs> instead of one which is just b-o-n-n-e-t not b-o-n-n-e-t-t -T. did they so, perfectly spell steed yes really weird mm -hmm. they couldn't get bonnet yeah steed. i don't know if i trust this person that's doing the books I, yeah i don't know either <laughs> and maybe that was his cover when he signed the commission steed. he put the steed on it with two T's, and that could have been his cover. I got his last name. It's Ganaphylactic. That's easy. But yeah. Adam, how do I spell that? Two W's? What yeah. do I do? <laughs> well, it was time for Major Steed Bonnet to make his mark in Charlestown. He pulled into the harbor just outside of, out of Charlestown and boarded a and boarded a brigantine coming from Boston. So, a brigantine ship is a ship that has two masts and also a set of oars. So it's made it easier to maneuver. So if you had, you had oars, you can also row it uh, if the if the uh, wind wasn't where you wanted to go. Um, the captain of the brigantine surrendered without without the crew of the Revenge firing a single shot, but there was nothing of value on board. <laughs> so all we have is the shipment of Beanie Babies. Yeah, he's, <laughs> but he was just like, "That's fine. I'll just there's nothing here." So. Basically, to stop the crew from going to Charlestown and saying there's a pirate ship out in the harbor, he held, uh, Steed held the captain and the crew there because he didn't want people telling the har people in the harbor and they're leaving that there's a pirate ship out there and then just no one leaves. Yeah. So after a ship came, another ship came into sight and was again captured without a fight because a lot of these people are like, oh, Charleston Harbor's decently safe. I'm leaving. I don't have to fire. I don't have to have weapons at this point. So this was a sloop, again, another sloop, like a small, small ship, sloop. Uh, captained by Joseph Palmer. This time, they hit the mark on the ship. The sloop was full of valuables, so they ransacked the ship and took sugar, rum, and slaves. So while they were, uh, while they were, flying the, while they were uh, sailing down the, the coast, they, originally, they eventually just set the slaves free, slaves free on the coast of North Carolina. It was like, we don't need you guys. You guys go ahead. <laughs> Be free, and they're just yeah. like, okay, dude. Literally, there's nowhere to go, and they're just gonna just get captured. A fucking and... island. Yeah. Like, what do we do here? And they're like, free. And they're they're basically just, like... just gonna get captured and put into slavery, anyways. But they're like, here, we we can't it. feed you. We don't want it. We don't want to feed you. We don't want to pay you. He's such a dick. Yeah. Um, just like they did to the turbot ship earlier, they burned it, and then they careened their ship. So what they did careening basically is you. You run your ship onto land so that you can start repairing it, repairing the hull, doing anything. And they used a lot of the stuff from the ships that they'd capture to fix their own ship. So it's kind of like they take boards, they take masts if they needed to, sails, repair it, just anything that they could that they needed to. So after that, um, they let the prisoners go on the brigantine and then sailed away because they had already done what they needed to do. So even though Steed was going by his alias, he was still recognized by Joseph Palmer, who was also from Barbados. <laughs> and as soon as he let the captains go, they went straight to the magistrate in Charlestown. And for a second time in less than a year, Steed's bonnet's name was being passed around by the British Admiralty, or as I like to call them, the Bropo. <laughs> nice. British Admiralty Police. Oh, shit. Yep. Bropo. After the first initial successes of ransacking and pillaging a few ships, Steed was feeling invincible and also very lucky. Cocaine. Um, but they weren't sure what the next step was. Because of the different way that Steed paid his crew, being that he gave them guaranteed money instead of a share of the bounty, which they also got too, so they didn't just get a guaranteed Damn. pay, they got share of the bounty. 
the setup on the way the ship ran was different. This pirate ship and most pirate ships were run as a democracy. So basically yeah. everyone got to vote, which is a cool thing to see as like at that time, because most of the places you go, you were just pretty much an indentured servant to the company. And, you know, obviously slavery was big at that point. But like if you had a job, you were an indentured servant. You were getting paid. And that was it. And they could leave you if you wanted to. You know, they wouldn't. There's no thing about it. But pirate ships at this time are run as democracies. Yeah. So, like, that's, a, I guess, a historical fun fact. So, like, actual true anarchism, not, like, the, the I guess, the, the bastardized term for anarchy, but actual true anarchism. Like, pirate ships worked on, actual, like, actual mm-hmm. true anarchistic values where people had complete horizontal say across the board. They also constantly had shifting captains. Mm-hmm. Captains could get voted out, voted in on a regular basis. Like, almost every fucking thing was run yeah. horizontally on a ship. And even, like, bounties on the ship, it was like, okay, you know, like, 30% yep. of the total bounty goes back to the ship, goes back to the crew, goes back yep. to what we all agreed on in terms of, like, this is how much rum we buy, how much, how many bullets, how many, you know, cannons, yep. da 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 There's this much for that, and then everybody else gets equal parts. Even, yep. like, the captain gets the exact same cut that, like, the lowest person on the ship gets. Yep. And, like, also, racially and gender-wise, too, they were equal as fuck, at least as for the time period, yep. like, crazy insane equal as equal as they could be yeah yeah like i mean well we had the example i fucking it's killing me that i'm forgetting her name but on the people who fake their own death Uh, that woman just like showed up in town she's like all right motherfuckers we're forming a crew and everybody's like yeah dude she's a badass we're getting on board like that wasn't exactly rare nope like a woman could just pop and be like yo bitches get on and everybody's like all right let's go <laughs> there, was, there was a few women captains compared to i mean like there was no women businessmen at that time for the yeah. most part because they weren't allowed to but at that time there was women captains aboard pirate ships which is very interesting and they were leading men just as well as having women on board as well yeah. so it was very interesting to to see that at that time period where that was like non-existent yeah. historically so, there was less men who wrote the history of women leading shit, yeah, then there actually sure. was women at the time leading shit. Like, for sure. That was common. Yeah, a lot of times it had to be very, like, super special at that point to be like, oh, this person, like, the person who faked yeah. her own death. Yeah. And then her, the friend that she joined with the other captain, woman captain, mm-hmm. um, they were very just, like, they had special, uh, they actually wrote their own histories, too, which is kind of the thing. You. So under a unanimous vote on the ship, obviously, like we just talked about, they could kick off a captain. Yeah. So that was uh that was one of the things that he wanted to write into it. It wasn't it didn't have to be majority. And this one it was unanimous vote. So everybody had to agree to kick off Even the captain. The captain. Even the captain. Well he didn't he didn't get the vote. Um so they're sitting here right now, they have no idea, couldn't agree on the next place they wanted to go to. Um so the crew was eventually like, Well, there's a bunch of boats that uh and gold and sunken ships down in Florida. So in the Spanish-owned area of Florida, which is the most of Florida right now. Um, they just went down and were like, cool, let's just go down there. We'll see what we can find. So during that time, many Spanish ships were sunk here. So there was full of gold, silver goods, and a lot of things because of the hurricanes and storms. A lot of people didn't want to go down there because um, they could be pretty much destroyed super quick. Yeah, by Florida so, man. By Florida man, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Google Florida man in your birthday and you'll thank us later if you haven't done it already. <laughs> so they're in Spanish Florida at this time and they spot a big merchant ship. So they were like, hey, this could have a... L- <laughs> I just pictured Walmart floating. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, USS Walmart, actually. Well, it was the... What is it? SSS Walmart, I guess. The SS Walmart. SS Walmart. So they're like, this one has a lot of goods and steed who was like man we pretty much are killing it already we can we can go knock any ship out we want so he ran up his pirate flag instead of waiting to get closer to make it easier to take so at this time the the strategy behind that was you would go close you know everyone had a had a flag to show their you know your country or if you were a merchant ship you'd have like a merchant flag for your company so at this time pirates smartly would not run up their flag. They would get real close, mm-hmm. and then as soon as they got close enough to where they could start shooting, they'd run up the pirate flag because they would already be close enough to where the other ship couldn't run away. The other ship might be like, oh, they're just a British ship kind of patrolling <laughs> or they're something like that. But Steed was like, oh, it's fine. We got this. It's just a merchant ship. They don't have any guns. 
Can you imagine if like the naked lady mud flap had been invented at oh, that time? Yeah. It just like literally just flags of like the naked lady mud flap like go up and everybody's like, yeah, and, like yeah, start yeah. heading towards it. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> so as they got closer, they noticed that this was not a merchant ship, but a Spanish warship called the Man of War. Man of War. So the Man of War is a huge and much bigger ship and way more heavily armed than the sloop uh, that uh, Steve was commanding. Yeah, it's a man of war. You know, it's in the name. So these are mostly used as the uh, Spanish uh, fleet ships, and they would protect some of the fleet. So the man of war maneuvered into fire on the broadside, uh, meaning they both line up side by side and they start shooting. But it was the closest and moved into broadside to shoot first, so they shot first. And then before that they could before the revenge could get a shot, they turned on the stern and they shot into the stern. Ooh. So the revenge, a much smaller ship, couldn't do anything. So Steed was actually knocked out by the first volley during the ship. So the crewmen came in, took him into the ship, put him in the um his little quartermaster. Fi- they got a volley off, but they were like, Oh, well, this sucks. We're pretty much screwed. We can't take this ship. So they basically they got out of there. You know, that with the smaller ship. Yeah. They had a smaller ship so they could easily outmaneuver and get out. So they got out as quick as they could. And at this time, it was really, really bad for them because they lost 30 to 40 people. Damn. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So 30 to 40 people were killed. And with the first t- taste of defeat, the crew plotted a course to go to Nassau, a well known sanctuary for pirates at the time. Nassau? Nassau. Nassau. Ah, oh. Yeah. It's in the Bahamas. <laughs> We're going to space, boys. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Nassau is in the Bahamas. Yeah. So. N-A-S-S-A-U. Yeah. Uh. Yep. Yes. So Nassau was home to the who's who's of pirates. To the who's? So, to the who's. Oh, shit. The who's who <laughs> of pirates. A pirate who had not yet made a name for himself, but was on his way to becoming one of the most notorious pirates ever, was about to make the acquaintance of Steed Bonnet. That's right. Everyone's favorite Ocracokian pirate, Blackbeard. Yeah. Favorite Coco. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows him as Blackbeard, but he also had uh, kind of two names. His real name was Edward Thatch. Uh, also in Ocracoke, they call him Edward Teach. Edward old. Scruffy Face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scruffy Face, pretty much. Um, Edward Thatch. He was a second on a ship already, so he wasn't a captain yet. He was second on a ship, captained by Benjamin Hornigold, who was also another famous pirate earlier than Blackbeard. Hornigold. Mm-hmm. Hornigold. Steed and Thatch met and discussed a partnership. Though there was no real documentation of how and why they decided they should meet and partner up, it seems that they both had a need. Grinder. Hmm. <laughs> Steed, having not much experience running and leading a ship, he only had like the six months, I think, beforehand, and Thatch needing to upgrade a ship and also start his own fleet. So Steed weirdly relinquished command of their revenge to Thatch, his own ship, you know, and he's like, here you go. Good luck. Oh, you're like really good at this. Yeah, Um, you're already, I can already see that you're good. Uh, The only thing he wanted to keep in this was his quarters. So he basically (laughs) kept the captain's quarters. I just got it the way I like it. But wasn't the captain. (laughs) Um, Made him happy because at this time he was also suffering like, you know, injuries from being hit by the... um, by some of the uh, cannonballs that but were coming. I twist he didn't get... my ankle like this. It kind of <laughs> clicks sometimes. I really can't be out there on the field anymore. <laughs> yeah. He was a gentleman, wealthy landowner, so he yeah. wasn't used to the you know the terribleness that was being on the sea, getting in, hit by cannonballs or in a war, basically. Um, so after suffering the huge physical toll, he said, you can, have my, you can have my ship, but I keep my quarters. And so Blackbeard boarded the ship, started retrofitting it with more cannons to add more firepower, as well as he hired more sailors. So they lost 30 or 40, so he had to replace those and replace all the ammunition. Um, Steed basically became a passenger on his own ship. <laughs> so after Bonnet recu- recuperated in Nassau and Thatch decided he was ready to go, they sailed up north again to the Capes of Virginia, Virginia Beach area. So... That's a beautiful place to get it because they go in Chesapeake Bay as well. You can go up and into the land and hit uh, colonies along the uh, along the river and along the bay. So much easier for pirates and get away quick. I so. played God of War. I know yeah. how that works. Play God of War. You play uh, Civilization, all those things like mm-hmm. that. It's very similar. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so around late September, they came upon their first ship. 
A call from the lookout came down to the men. Ho! Sail on the horizon! So Bonnet witnessed Blackbeard get into character. So this is Bonnet being like, good luck, you know, and being like, oh, who is this? He really didn't know this guy that well. So he'd never seen him become, in quotations, a pirate and become character Blackbeard. Thatch lit fuses that were tied in his beard so it looked like smoke enveloped his head. Yeah, imagine this tall, seafaring, and dangerous man jump aboard your ship. You didn't even. I gotta. I gotta call it out. You just. You just said a key word. He was like what, like six six or he was some tall. shit like that. He was a big ass motherfucker. Like he was huge even by today's standards. Mm-hmm. Big ass fucking Blackbeard had like these like fucking long ass fuses hidden up in his beard. Mm-hmm. So it's like literally just piles of fucking smoke That's coming so out around his mm-hmm. face and his eyes and like. This dude, twice the height of everybody around you, is coming towards you with literal smoke surrounding <laughs> so his extra. fucking face, yeah. carrying like twenty-seven fucking guns. Yep. Like he had two a swords belt. and just being like, Whoa, boom! Like the fucking ships moving every time he fucking steps, just yep. like just coming towards you. This dude's intimidating as fuck. Yep. <laughs> he had a leather belt too, which was really cool. He had like a leather kind of holster, I guess, that carried like six guns. Oh, I love that yeah, shit. and was so He's cool crazy. because like he just looked the part. You know, oh, yeah. obviously Bonnet did not look the part. I was like, get <laughs> out know? of here with this shit. Like, who do you think you are? Imagine seeing him. That would be the most horrifying trip. If you saw this guy <laughs> jump on your boat with smoke coming out of his face, these like Standing next to fucking gentry. Yeah, standing standing next to this guy who's like, hoity, toity, you know? And uh, so after they took the ship, it was called the Betty. Uh, After they'd taken what they wanted from it, Blackbeard's quartermaster, William Howard, drilled holes into the hull of the ship and sunk it to the bottom, which actually was like a Blackbeard thing. He would just sink ships. Because, bitch. Yeah, it was just like, whatever, I'm done. Uh and after such a quick and decisive victory, the crew and Blackbeard were both ecstatic and ready for more. They set sail for raids along the Chesapeake Bay, Philadelphia, and New York. Mm. They captured at least 15 ships as they raided, following the same approach as the Betty. Unlike under Steve's leadership, where prisoners were only questioned to find information, Blackbeard was set on gaining notoriety. So Blackbeard would deny any requests made by prisoners as well as sink their belongings to the bottom of the ocean or leave them anchored out in the middle of nowhere and just leave them there or maroon them, which was a big thing too. basically take their ship, go burn it, leave them on an island. Give them that he'd give them like one or two days of provisions. Be like, all right, well, if a ship picks you up, you're lucky. If you're not, sorry. At that time, there was a lot of ships that went around, so that a lot of people didn't die being marooned. They would be picked up a week or two later. But that also helped carry the Blackbeard name exactly. and notoriety, which he wanted. He wanted people to know who he was. Steed, on the other hand, was like, I, I don't think I want anybody to know my name. You know, so he was more in it for the the sea. The yeah. sea. You know, he just wanted to be on the sea and escape his family. He just had no idea that fishing was an option. Yeah, yeah, he didn't think about it. <laughs> So as winter started to come around, it was time to go south. You know, obviously in winter, you don't want to be in Philadelphia or New York. The Revenge, being led by Blackbeard, sailed south to the Caribbean. Steed pretty much just sat on his hands watching all the Blackbeard was doing, and he enjoyed living that life for a little bit. Steed, being fully recovered from his wounds, was now ready to command his own ship again. Luckily, they came upon a bigger French ship called the La Concorde, coming from Nantes, France, on its way to Martinique. Mm -hmm. They were only 60 miles from their destination, and on the horizon they saw the dreaded sails of piracy. Their revenge shot two cannonballs across the bow of the ship, and La Concorde offered no resistance and acquiesced. Blackbeard pressed 10 of the crew into piracy. So basically he took 10 people and were like, you're going to be pirates now. And they are like, well... It's either that or get left on an uh, island, so whatever. And maybe I'll get some money from this. So he was smart, though, because he picked the second cook, so he got a cook. Hell yeah. He picked three doctors, nice. two carpenters, okay. a caulker, a navigator, and a gunsmith. So he Did picked you say the, a hooker? A caulker, oh. mm-hmm. person who caulks the decks, a navigator, and a gunsmith. So basically gun- like a bed builder for them. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> so helps keep the ship together, too. So uh, they also took a few of the crew because the members volunteered. So that also happened. 
some of the crew were like, well, this this is a seems like a cooler life. So I've been waiting try. for this opportunity. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Oh my god. Okay. So here's my resume. Yep. Um, here's my headshots. Um, this is if you go here, this is my IMD pre profile. Um, yep. you can find me here. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, here's my password for Twitter. So, yeah, pretty much they did that, and then they left the remainder of the crew of La Concorde on the nearest island with a barrel full of beans. So now they had two ships. So La Concorde was the bigger ship and better equipped, so they transferred a few more guns over to the La Concorde from the Revenge, and so deemed Blackbeard's famous ship the Queen Anne's Revenge, which you Hell almost yeah. always have. That's the cool one. Which still had revenge in the name, so they're yeah. all getting revenge. It's pretty yeah, sick. It's but yeah. I do have a serious question, though. This mm-hmm. is very serious. Mm-hmm. Do French people even know how to cook beans? Or did was that like a joke? I know Joey doesn't. Because wow, like, that's true. I don't. Because I, so so backstory real quick. I I took black beans that weren't cooked or uh-huh. like even washed, mm-hmm. and I put them on a skillet and tried to cook salad. them. So, well, that would have been a good salad actually. But um, yeah, it's very chewy. But I imagine that's kind of what these people got into their things. They didn't have any. They put them on skillets because they didn't really have anything else, or like cooked them in their hands. I don't know what they did, but they just had a barrel full of beans. So that's do all they did. Use these for bait. What do we do? Escargot. <laughs> so, we so, use them as little pebbles when we are angry with each other. Yes, I'm so throw them angry, at each other. but I do not want to hurt you, but I want you to feel it. Bing, yes. Bing, bing, bing. So, <laughs> Steed, amazingly enough, was put back in charge of his own ship. And I so really they had didn't themselves... want this position, you guys. Yeah. I, I really didn't. Um, I really appreciate the support, and uh, <laughs> I was fine just playing PlayStation. <laughs> well, he actually kind of did, which was very weird. Um. So they basically had their first armada right now. So Steed had the revenge. Blackbeard had the newly minted Queen's Anne's revenge. So throughout the winter, Bonnet and Thatch plundered and raided many ships, taking goods and prisoners wherever they went. They had the Royal Navy on their trail, though, so many suspected they would go into the Spanish waters and hunt Spanish ships. But instead, they played it smart. They stayed near the coast of Virginia and the Carolinas and dared the British Navy to come get them. They were smart. So they wanted to go after the big prizes now that they had their own armada. Well, two ships can be called an armada, I guess. I don't know. They they, they kind of thought it was. Well, anyways, on March 1718, the Queen's Anne Revenge was ready to be refitted. So Thatch made his way back to Safe Harbor, and Steed was left alone to go hunting. For what? This had to go well. Ships. Ah. <clears throat> yeah, so he he's he's basically like, I think you're fine now. You've kind of lived through enough. You've seen me. You know, Thatch, like, you've seen me do some stuff, so, like, good luck. You saw how I tie that, that shit up in my beard. <laughs> you, you got this. You got this, man. Yep. The Revenge was sailing around the Bay of Honduras, where they had a, met a much and much, much, much bigger ship called the Protestant Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking name is dope. Yeah, it's a good name. So, Steed, seeing the spoils and unable to control his greed, he set pursuit of the ship. Oh, gosh. Unlike last time, though, Steed lost to the Man of War. This time he had a little bit of experience because he watched Thatch and he was like, I think I can get it. The Revenge fired on the Protestant Caesar. After this, Steed hailed the captain and said if they fired another gun, they would give him no quarter. So Captain William Wire, who was the captain of the uh, Protestant Caesar, answered back with a volley of cannon fire. (laughs) Thus they locked into a three-hour battle in the black of the night firing volleys back and forth. But, like we always see, unfortunately for Steed, the much bigger and heavier armed Protestant Caesar fought off their revenge. Who would have guessed? Yeah. It's like a chihuahua going up to like a fucking Great Dane. <laughs> yep, pretty much. He he just does this. It's okay. I would say... I would... I would say Pomeranian. Something about Steed gives me Pomeranian vibes. Just because mm-hmm. he's fancy? Yes. yes. Like a Pomeranian with a pompadour. Pomeranians are fucking vicious, though. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. crazy as fuck. Yeah, they're wild. I hate them. That's why I say Chihuahua, because they're just harmless little shaky, mm-hmm. yeah. barky, loud. Yeah, yeah. All show, Steed. no. Yeah, bar- no, no bite. Yeah. yeah. Steed slunk off into the night with another defeat almost a year removed from his prior defeat. So the crew decided it was time to head back to Safe Harbor to repair and regroup. So Steed Bonnet and the Revenge sailed for Turneth, uh, but luckily 
They were not alone docking there. Good old Blackbeard, the Queen Anne's Revenge, was also docked there for repairs. So at this point, Steed had attacked a bigger and more well-equipped ship and had command of the Revenge two times and lost two battles, stupidly. <laughs> Even though he was gaining in knowledge and learning lessons, the crew rem members did not feel safe having Steed lead them anymore, which makes frickin' sense. They held a vote, and Steed was again out as captain. This time, Blackbeard positioned one of his guys named Richards to helm the Revenge. Yar, dick. Get on board. Yep. So now, Revenge has a new captain. Also, Queen Anne's Revenge. So they have two. So Blackbeard pretty much firmed control of everything going on. So he's ready. Yeah. So on April 5th, 1718, a ship approached the bay where the Revenge and Queen Anne's Revenge were docked. The ship was thinking that one of the ships was the Protestant Caesar, which had fought off Steed Bonnet about a week earlier. They parked right near the two ships, but then they realized it was not the Protestant Caesar. Then they thought it was Spanish ships, and then they went, oh, crap, it's pirate ships. Oh, <laughs> so God. they tried to pull away really quickly. They, they didn't know, because they didn't have their flags out. Okay. I was going to ask about that. So like when like two pirate ships yep. are trying to trick each other, Yep. And they're like, yar, yar, we the chickens. Like, yeah. what, how does well, that go Well, they just down? take them. They just, they fight. They still fight? They still fight. Doesn't matter. Yeah, right. pirates, well, pirates, pirates, pirates fight there's... between themselves to get more. Yeah. Like, like they have camaraderie. They're like, yo, go, I mean, go. on the individual ships, maybe, but not yeah. between, like, they just want to get as much shit as they can. Yeah, yeah. And if they're plundering, they're like, I'm carrying shit. They probably are carrying shit from what they plundered. Mm, so yep. they just gotcha. steal. Yeah. A pirate yeah. ship getting pirated. <laughs> so this ship was called the Adventure. It was a decent sized sloop, again, a sloop. Uh, so they had a lot of stuff on there. So quickly, Blackbeard fired a shot above the bow, like he normally does. They stopped, and they boarded the ship and was quickly taken. The ship's helm was handed over to Israel Hands. <gasps> yes. Yep. He was another. Uh, he was another one of Blackbeard's famous ones, famous uh, friends he had. Israel Keys. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> not the serial killer. Um, at this time, Steed was just left as a sightseer on the Princess Anne Revenge, watching as the ship he owned and started on being commanded by another pirate. So Blackbeard now has a sizable force, and he took on the title of Commodore. He had three main ships and a secondary captain aboard his ship, watching and learning. Secondary captain being Steed. Blackbeard is ready to head back out and start taking ships again. So, basically, Steed had told Blackbeard what happened with the Protestant Caesar. Obviously, the crew told him, too. So, Blackbeard's like, well, you know what? We're going to go get that ship. They started out searching for the Protestant Caesar to get some revenge. Or maybe just a little Queen Anne's revenge on the ship that repelled Steed Bonnet about two weeks earlier. They found the Protestant Caesar in the Bay of Honduras, repairing from the battle, with Bonnet's revenge earlier. Instead of a long and life lengthy revenge battle, the crew of the ship saw it was an armada of pirate ships and said, nope, we're out. And they, they sailed, they took little small boats and went ashore, and they left the ship for the pirates. Because they, they saw three pirate ships coming up, and some small other smaller ships were like, oh, no, nah, I, I don't think we're going to deal with that. And they also knew, uh, Blackbeard also would say, if you fire another shot, we're going to kill you all. So, kind of intimidation, you know. Blackbeard was smart in that. And um, so they basically went and plundered the ship and then burned it. One of the things about Blackbeard was that he hated ships coming from Boston or the New England area. Any ship <laughs> what a from weird Boston. Ass prejudice. Well, there, there's a reason. Any okay. ship from Boston belonged to Boston, is what he said. And Boston had hanged a bunch of pirates years before. So he, he knew that happened and was pissed. I'm a Cleveland Indians fan, and yeah. I don't appreciate these socks coming down. They're the Cleveland Guardians now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the crew and captain were left unharmed uh, at the island with rations to last for a few days. And now it was time to set sail for grandeur pastures. Now the Blackbeard was just starting his revenge tour. It was time to head for Charlestown. Again, and it's here. We will continue next week with part two of Steed Bonnet, the amateur part. Thank you so much for listening.
second part of this episode. Please remember...